Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September the 2nd. In the year of our Lord, 2022, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances are brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a freedom-loving, faith-filled, fantastic. We're taking America back. One heart, one mind, one issue at a time Friday. And while I'm running around the country giving speeches that say, that finish with a tagline, we need to think outside the gun. Because, see, we're not for revolution. We're for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Well, I'm talking about think outside the gun. Kind of a little play on the Taco Bell, let's think outside the bun idea, right? Well, uh, looks like Joe Biden's kind of ratcheting things up. Do you have that Joe Biden um, soundbite really quick, Cameron, again? Let, let's play this soundbite, and then we'll have our guests go ahead and respond to this right out of the gate. And then I'll tell you what a listener emailed me relating to uh, some of these things. Um, okay, here's the soundbite from Joe Biden. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Uh, you know what? You're not joking, neither am I. While I'm preaching, think outside the gun, he's literally telling us that we need more than a gun to fight our government. Has he lost his mind? Is he completely off his rock? I think he is. Dr. Scott Bradley, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you. Um, you know, starting off with a Joe Biden quotation that's probably half-baked and uh, not really fully delivered i it's one of those things where i i just feel like we are it's such a bucket of hurt with this country with that man as the uh, figurehead of the country but but you're right um he he plays i think he was i don't know if that was something out of a, a soundbite out of uh, his wilkes bar speech that he gave earlier this week in pennsylvania he's out on the campaign trail they're trying to salvage the uh Oh, the uh, midterm elections, and uh, he's at uh, times pushing back against uh, someone that I usually find myself on the opposite side of the scale because of his warmongering uh, efforts. As uh, you know, we we uh, he's just he's just disjointed, and and I I you have a hard time responding in a cogent manner to people that are so disjointed, but. He, he's doing a lot of things. He's talking about, yeah, if you're going to fight us, you're going to need your F-16s. Maybe that's what he's or F-15s. That's what he's saying. But maybe he also talks about uh, putting, you know, the, the the left wing has been, you know, pushing this idea of defund the police. Now the police 
or a level of um, safety in this nation because of their independent local uh, condition. But he's pushing an idea now of 100,000 more police officers in the next five years with a price tag of $13 billion federal money that they're going to provide to uh, you know municipalities, villages, and, and towns and cities and so on uh, to put a federalized police force in place, 100,000 more. I mean, we're talking about militarizing the United States. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago we talked about the 87 thousand new IRS agents that uh, will be descending upon the American population as swarms of officers to eat out their substance, as was noted in the Declaration of Independence. He's, uh, so, uh, by the way, I, I went and did a little research on that. There are 95, um, excuse me, 195 countries in the whole world, and uh, 50 of them, approximately, have uh, a larger personnel count in their militaries than the new IRS expansion. So three-quarters of the countries, countries in the world, have smaller military forces than the new expanded IRS will bring under the Biden administration that will descend upon the nation and eat out their substance. And then we're doing this um, 100,000 uh, new police uh, that will be paid for by federal funding again militarization they'll get body armor they'll get their training you know so their mindset will be established by uh, you know the federal education plan that's developed and and you can kind of see where this is going it, it is a militarization of the United States now historically the police officers were peacekeepers and, and now you almost never hear a breath of anything different than law enforcement you know there's that big hammer over your head and and so uh, it, it's just a, an astounding kind of thing on the one hand you know he's I think he's trying to Lindsey Graham said this thing about there'd be rioting if if things didn't go right with the with the investigation on the Trump thing and he didn't say blood in the streets as they're inferring but uh, Kamala was saying, take the battle to the streets, you know, and it's like, well, wait, 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 wait. No, nah. How are you guys talking out of both sides of your mouth? So they're talking about extreme military action, you know, with these F-15 comments. They're trying to build a militarized uh, situation in the country. Historically, the peacekeepers, the peace officers were locally hired, trained, and they reflect the community that they serve in. And what they're trying to do is do a cookie-cutter mold of a militarized police force that they've been working on for many decades, actually. They've been buying, wait a minute, is that against the Third Amendment? This troops being quartered? Oh, no, they won't be in your house. They'll be your next-door neighbor. But can you imagine if we have 100,000 new police officers? Again, we're adding this to a militarization of a bunch of collection agents for the IRS, that the, the, new, the new agents are more than three-quarters of the nations on the earth have in the military force. It, it is just, what kind of trajectory are we on? What are we doing? And I, I don't think Joe Reedy is cogent enough to be able to put it all together, but certainly he's facilitating it, and Kamala's right there with him, and they're 
puppeteers are moving them along in the globalist world, and it, we are just led, we're being led into an absolute disaster by people that I wouldn't trust to cross the street alone. I don't think they're qualified to cross the street alone, and so that's kind of where we are. I'm sorry to say, Sam. I'll throw it All back right. to you. Well, there you <laughs> have it. Hey, Joe, think outside the gun, my friend. But Jimi Hendrix sang a song called, Hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Where are you going to run, says the third verse. Now, where are you going to go, Joe? Well, dig it. I'm going down south, way down south, way down south to Mexico way. So here's the question, ladies and gentlemen. Joe started out his, uh, quote, stint in office. Uh, I believe he stole the election through the FBI. A lot of people are wondering, how was the election stolen? You can't prove it. Well, when the FBI literally buries the laptop story of Hunter Biden protecting Joe, when they had it a year in advance uh, of the FBI then uh, forcing Facebook to literally bury the story. And on the other hand, they're continuing to pump up the Russian dossier, which turned out to be a fraud. Literally, they committed election fraud and changed the election by the perception in the court of public opinion, ladies and gentlemen. The FBI literally committed election fraud uh, using the media as their stool boy to get that done. Okay? Now... Uh, Joe, you're out of control, buddy. I'm telling you to think outside the gun, and you're running around literally, literally taunting, quote, what are called brave right-wing Americans, saying you'll need more than guns to fight the government. I had a midterms, ladies and gentlemen. Look, this was the unity president, remember? But ahead of the midterms, the headline says Biden shifts. From compromise to combat. He is spending less time hailing the virtues of unity. And he's calling out Americans for a danger to democracy. That's the New York Times. Democracy? Yeah, the White House then seeked free airtime on mainstream press. Last night gave a big speech, right? And he literally assaulted Republicans. Saying that we're a danger to democracy. He then goes on and on and on about democracy, democracy, democracy. I'm sure glad we don't have a democracy, doctor. But this is the kind of stuff we've devolved to as Joe and the Democrats panic. Your thoughts? You know, where do you go? I mean, every every step of the way that this country came forward was as a republic. There's nothing whatsoever to do with Republicans. I'm sorry, Republicans, generally speaking, are far left, if you will, uh, than they were when I was young. I mean, there's there's been a migration towards a socialistic welfare state in the ranks of the Republicans, and and it's it's if you go off the cliff at 90 miles an hour or at 100 miles an hour, you're still off the cliff, and and so it has nothing whatsoever to do with parties. I mean, the founding fathers were death on parties, if you will, didn't last too long. That uh, you know, purity. But honestly, um, Biden has ramped it up, but he's he's trying to pick a fight, it sounds like. I think he'd think like to Think outside the bun, Joe. I beg you, my friend, think outside the gun. I said think outside the bun first so you understand. It comes with the Taco Bell quote. It's a takeoff on that. Hey, Joe, go get a Taco Bell taco, buddy, and start thinking outside the gun. We can resolve this, my friend. You don't got to go to 
crazy extreme lengths. Maybe Joseph Terrace. Come celebrate the supreme law of the land at Loving Liberty's Constitution Day dinner. Have you ever asked yourself, what's so great about America? Find out with guest speakers Lawrence Reed from Atlanta and Jeff Uch from Tucson, Arizona. We will also be introducing our new podcast, Ask an Immigrant. Join us Saturday, September 17th at 7 p.m. Located at Liberty Hall, 3677 North 2000 West, Far West, Utah. Get your tickets today at LovingLiberty.net. That's LovingLiberty.net. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to LocalHoneyMan.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at LocalHoneyMan.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Dr. Scott Bradley's with us. FreedomsRisingSun.com is an incredible website with webinars weekly on the Constitution, Q&As, and interactive absolutely every week. FreedomsRisingSun.com, you also have To Preserve the Nation is Collegiate Series available there. That also is his lifelong goal. Just imagine if we all had a lifelong goal like that, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Joe, maybe you ought to go ahead and watch To Preserve the Nation, the Collegiate Series. Maybe it'll help you understand the proper role of limited constitutional government and help you understand that we don't have a democracy, sir. Democracies are a danger to the Constitutional Republic. Did you know that, my friend? Just thought I'd kind of lay that down for your reality check. All right, a listener by the name of Robert emailed me, uh, Dr. Bradley, and I thought I'd share his comments with you. A lot of the emails that I get, uh, I don't respond to directly like this, but this one I want to because I think it's so good. He says, Sam, I loved the fentanyl taffy show that you did. So we talked about, you know, them bringing in uh, rainbow taffy, um, fentanyl and stuff like that. And what, you know, this criminal enterprise going on. And Joe seems to be oblivious to it. He says, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the issue of killing the unborn. So he's saying, you know, I was saying, you know, hey, we shouldn't kill the unborn. We don't have a right to do that. And everything. So he agrees wholeheartedly on that. But he said, I just wanted to give you feedback on a, quote, frequent misquoting of the commandment, thou shalt not kill. The correct translation of the Hebrew is, quote, thou shalt not murder. Killing the unborn certainly is murder. Fitting the definition, the unlawful, premeditated killing 
of one human being to another. The commandment, though, does not prohibit killing. In fact, according to the Torah slash Old Testament, one is obligated to kill another if it's in self-defense. Um, anyway, pretty interesting comment, and I agree with the general premise that, you know, words aren't translated perfectly. I wouldn't say that I misquoted it, though, because in, in English, you look at the King James and other Bibles, it does say thou shalt not kill. So I disagree a little bit, Robert, in that I'm not really misquoting, but I get your point, that it is not a, an appropriate translation because the, the difference uh, is important. It's not just minutia. It's not just uh, wordsmithing. It's not just semantics. There's a fundamental difference in the intent and the reality. One says, I have a God-given inalienable right of self-defense. And it is not murder if I kill someone in that scenario. I agree with him. He's right. At the same time, thou shalt not murder. In other words, premeditated or otherwise kill somebody without cause. Uh, or whatever. He's generally right on the point. Doctor, do you want to speak to this? Because I think it's a little bit of a fundamental understanding. And a little bit goes to the point where, you know, when somebody kills another person, oftentimes if it's not intended, I don't know that you equate it with murder per se, um, there's even definitions in the law that kind of back up his point as well. Your thoughts? Well, of course, we, again, you always throw me things that have a lot of strings attached, and I could pull on a lot of different ways. I'm so good but, at that, sir. But in general, <laughs> the concept of the Second Amendment, the self-defense, and all that kind of stuff, that's an individual right. It's a national right, too. Uh, but let's not get too Lindsey Grahamish about this. I mentioned his name earlier where he never has seen a conflict around the world where he wasn't, ha hasn't wanted to see a few Marines get killed in it. This idea of just war and uh, the idea of a reasoned uh, analysis and uh, a solemn march into war, that was outlined by the American Founding Fathers. And, and while I think most of the individuals, you know, they were like 18-year-old like I was when I joined, uh, part of vim and vigor, if you will, uh, wanted to defend our country and all this kind of stuff. But those that are, sit at the head of the government, the leadership, had better watch their P's and Q's because most, if not all, well, all, let's just say this way, we have not had a constitutional conflict since I was born. And, uh, you know, the last constitutional declaration we had was in 1942, in June of 1942. And... Uh, and so we're marching off to war constantly. A lot of innocent people get killed in that. Some of our people are innocent completely. And, and the, the things that they end up bearing are absolutely atrocious, abominable, horrific. I can't speak enough about that. I mean, I have just personal understanding and one-on-one and, uh, -on -one experience. You cannot overstate this fact that if we enter war without justification, this concept of entering a just war, if we enter it without a constitutional approach, I have to wonder where we stand in God's eyes about these things. Hey, it won't because, go well for us. No. Just because there's a war going on in Syria doesn't mean we inject ourselves. Or in Yemen, where we uh, arm one party of it to kill literally hundreds of thousands or where, I, mean, I could use example after example after example, and none of them have been done justly because we haven't gone through the process that's outlined. So killing your fellow men 
is a serious issue. You know, you look at the sixth commandment, and thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder, whatever. Is it murder if your government is the one that is having you pull the trigger? People need to think about this because if your agent, the government, is doing it, and we are a popular government, it's an elective government, we choose our leaders. And if our leaders are violating just war principles and carrying them to other people, I mean, think of the, the Vietnamese uh, when I was young. <laughs> they were into, you know, planting their rice paddies or, or, you know, fixing their nets, you know, and it's like, holy Hannah. And the, we're literally the off the range, way over in their lands, armed to the teeth. As the philosophical ideology behind what was going on, maybe Ho Chi Minh understood it, and maybe LG, LBJ did, and McNamara and those boys. But to tell you the truth, the people being slaughtered in the middle, they have very, very little understanding. I could give you a quotation by St. George Tucker that says the people have no, they, they have no part of the war until made it by their suffering, which their leaders have caused. And so we've got to be mighty careful that we don't justify ourselves and think we're great, patriotic, powerful, you know, majestic nation as we march off to war for things that have not been properly vetted. And our logic, region, and national, support the troops, sure. What about not throwing the troops into harm's way unless there's a just cause that has been appropriately handled. I be, we could talk, and when I'm you sure, say appropriately, I want to say constitutionally handled. That's, that's Meaning appropriately. That we go that's the about only it with the checks and balances. It's the only way, folks. This is important to understand. Anyway, I thought Robert's comments were worthy of discussion a little bit and exploration because I think he's right on the point uh, that, you know what, thou shalt not kill kind of cast this wide net. Uh, it, you are justified in defending yourself, folks. And thou shalt not murder talks about an intent, whether it's premeditated by individuals or remember, government only does what individuals should have authority and or right to do on their behalf. So we need to really remember there is a difference in the translation. Uh, and I think that Robert's exactly spot on on the point that he's trying to make, uh, which is really important to understand who we are as a people. OK, which means we are a righteous people. At least that's the intent of our founding fathers. I get that we. Don't measure up, and I, I know that, but I want to work on being that way, trying to become more and more that way. Followers of God, which is, you know what? Hey, we don't kill our babies. We don't murder, but you know what? If we must defend our wives, our children, and our sacred honor, we will do what's necessary. But I wouldn't equate that to murder. And I think that Robert's right on the point. Any final thoughts on that one, Doctor? No, I, like I say, don't get me started. There, this this thing is so poorly understood in this nation, and it has been so, so many generations. We've got a lot of baggage, and we need to we need to start finding our way back. Those, I mean, I could quote McNamara, not McNamara, McCarthy, and his farewell address in West Point. Uh, I think it was 1962, where he talked about, you know, you're not a warmonger. And those that seek peace really are the warrior more than anybody else. And, um, and, and we just need to recognize that uh, thumping one's chest and pulling the trigger on some people that don't even know who you are or why you're there or what their ideology or their, you know, it's, it's just, 
It's mass murder they really institutionalized. Want, they really want the same thing as the rest of us. They just want to be left alone, and they just want to be able to have God, family, and country in the way they uh, understand it to be. And we need to learn to respect that in America and jettison our warmongering ways. All right, True. two headlines. I'm going to quote them. Uh, then we're going to go to a break, and we're going to have Dr. Bradley respond when we get back. The first headline says this, housing on brink of collapse. The second headline says this, half cows, entire pigs. Families are starting to buy in bulk for fear they won't have any food. And then headline says restaurants, new normal, fewer cashiers, fewer staff. It's going to be... Uh, the new normal. We'll talk about all that with Dr. Bradley in seconds on your radio. Freedomsrisingsun.com. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The United Nations Nuclear Agency chief says his experts are staying put after they reached Europe's biggest nuclear power plant Thursday in the middle of a war. Russia and Ukraine are blaming each other for bombs exploding near the multi-reactor facility. Education Secretary Miguel Cordona on CNN admitted it's alarming but not surprising that young students are struggling big time with math and reading in America's public schools. That is very alarming. It's disturbing, but it's not surprising, keeping in mind a year and a half ago, um, over half of our schools were not open for full-time learning. The first thing we did when we got in is ensure that our schools are open for in-person learning. Extreme heat temperatures will dominate the southwest and western United States for the next four to five days. Always take water with you in traveling the area. USA Radio News. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow. That's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code FREE for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code FREE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code FREE for 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. A wildfire came to life in the rolling hills of northwestern Los Angeles County, belching smoke and flames amid triple-digit heat temperatures that forced officials to call for voluntary energy conservation. In less than 24 hours, the route fire charred more than 5,000 acres near Castate, California. That's about a 40-minute drive northwest of downtown L.A. It was 27% contained around 7.30 p.m. Pacific last night. The fresh water woes in Mississippi after monsoons flooded the area last week is nothing new for the failing system. For at least the third time in a dozen years, portable toilets are parked outside the ornate Mississippi capital because Jackson's water system is in crises. The big gotta-go trailer is just one example of the city's desperation. Many homes, businesses, and government offices have had little or no running water this week 
forcing people to wait in long lines for drinking water or water to flush toilets. From the Gulf Coast Bureau of USA Radio News, I'm Tony Maruso. USA Radio News. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, freedomsizingsun.com. For restaurants, the new normal is short-staffed. Housing on brinks of collapse. Half cows and tire pigs. People are buying food in bulk for fear. They won't have it. Your comments, Dr. Bradley. Well, I've been saying for a number of years now but that uh, we have been on a track where they, if you will, the powers that be, are preparing us for a Soviet-style economy. Uh, they've been they've been after this for a long time. If they can basically, okay, Alexander Hamilton a couple of times in the in the Federalist Papers made comments that in essence said this: a power over a man's subsistence is a power over the man. And uh, and when we have been put into these shortages, these uh, shelves that are empty, and the uh, people are starting to, not starting well, a lot of people are going. Man, I've been watching this happen for a couple of years. Yeah, they have, because the acceleration that has occurred the last two and a half years has been amazing. But I've been watching it for 10 years, and and it truly has been an inextricable march towards a Soviet-style economy. Whether it's, um, you know, they say you, you can't get help for your restaurant, or you're gonna, you can't get your home built, or or you can't find the, the brand you wanted on the shelf, uh, th- this kind of thing, I believe, is is driven by a plan, an agenda. And the idea, look, infant formula? Are you kidding me? That's caused by government intervention. That is not caused by anything other than that. And, and we could talk about why I say that in the factories that were creating the infant formula. But, oh, ain't it awful. We're all going to die you must fear, you must doubt. That kind of thing is just gr- the screws are being tightened. Yes, and, they and are intentionally so, so, ladies and gentlemen. California just issued a, quote, heat advisory warning excessive heat will stress the energy grid. Now, listen. Developing California grid officials warn of blackouts. Then they say California residents are being told not to charge their electric vehicles due to possible blackout potential if they do. They say the top three solutions, these are called conservation actions, if you will. You need to set your thermostat to 78 degrees or higher. You need to avoid using large appliances and avoid charging electric vehicles. You also need to turn off unnecessary lights, doctor. Now, these people are crazy. They're literally abolishing gas cars by 2035 in California. But yet they're saying don't charge your electric car and don't use large appliances, which means don't wash your clothes in a washing machine. Don't use air conditioning, an AC unit. Don't charge your car. We're going to all be ratcheted down to third world status before we know it if this keeps up, sir. In fact, in Colorado and Texas, they already, through smart meters, lock people's temperatures uh, so they raised the thermostats in everybody's homes to 78 degrees by force and locked it so nobody could change it for several hours. Got caught doing it. Everybody's ready to riot now. Maybe not literally get in the streets and riot, but people are up in arms over this. And I don't mean guns, uh, Joe. That's only you. I mean they're just frustrated, right? Okay, uh, doctor, what do you say? 
Well, see, if you measured the inmates based upon the leadership in California, you'd have to say that California is probably one of the largest insane asylums that that exists in the world. And and you know, you say, oh, the, I know a lot of good Californians. I mean, I mean, well, we don't need to get in that discussion. But their leadership certainly has taken the insane path. You know, you mentioned that 2035, they're going to not allow any more sale of, of uh, you know, petroleum-based vehicles. So here we have their their electric system is inadequate now. And they're going to go to electric vehicles. They've already banned uh, using, you know, gas-powered weed blower or weed eaters and, and blowers and lawnmowers and stuff like that. So we're going to electric on that stuff. And then they say don't don't charge anything. You know, I've I've been tracking some of these things. You know, GMC's put out a Hummer that's electric all electric now. They're between like eighty and a hundred thousand dollars. So it's they they don't come with a cheap price tag. But there's been some studies done recently that if you go down and you take a, a, a Hummer that's at like eighty percent charge and bring it to a hundred percent charge, it's in the range of a hundred dollars. They're not going to be cheaper to run. Electricity is not free. You're going to plug it in. You're going to gas up your Hummer for about the same price that you would have gassed up a standard gasoline or diesel engine. And Maybe more because it's is, going to take a lot more time. So you're going to be wasting time oh, waiting for your charge as well. It's time absolutely money, true. It takes, uh, it takes an hour and a half to charge it to 80%. An hour and a half, people. There was a study recently done where they were pulling a... Uh, uh, a vehicle carrier, you know, the, uh, one of those uh, trailers that you pull when you've got another vehicle on. They were using an electric vehicle to pull it. They had to stop every hundred miles and recharge their battery. See, <laughs> it's insane. You put a load on it, and it and it's a hundred mile drain, and it takes you an hour and a half to charge it. People, stop. Well, and then the problem about is this that's insanity. if you can find a station near enough. If you get in most portions of the country, you can't even find a charging station near enough that will even get it done at all, ladies and gentlemen. True. Um, now, Elon a- Musk is a nutcase, Dr. Bradley. In my opinion, yeah. he's a socialist and a communist, and most of his money has been made on government subsidy kind of programs and everything else. Everything he does has a government subsidy tied to it where you and I pay for his you know, wealth. But Elon Musk actually said something that's right. And so when somebody says something that's right, we got to give him a little bit of credit. He says this, we actually need more oil and gas, not less. The civilization will crumble without oil and gas. He's right. Well, think about the uh, uh, rare earth metals that are involved in making the batteries for these electric vehicles. Who controls 80% of that in the world? China. Holy cow. So what are we doing? We're making ourselves more compliant to this uh, monstrosity that's seeking to be over control of all the nations of the world, not only economically but politically and in every other way. So so here we are. We're marching lockstep, cheering ourselves. Oh, I'm going to be so green. I'm going to be so good. It costs more energy to build these electric vehicles because of what it takes to build the batteries and mine the materials and transport the materials, all those kinds of things. There is no well, crossover. you got to dispose people. of all that on the other side of the equation too, don't you? Absolutely. The, the insanity of it all, and, and we're being led by people that, as I said earlier in the program, in my opinion, are not qualified to cross the street alone. They need somebody to hold their hand all the way and, and it's, it's just a, a whole series of lessers 
that we put into government leads. I mean, normally I say that the president's office is, is filled by a lesser, but governor's offices are too. Certainly it is in Utah, our home state, and, and what's yeah, being our, so, our whole society us. is running off the cliff like lemmings, that's for sure. Now, the National Press Club just came out and said proof of vaccine no longer needed for events. Now, I think about this, and I think, are you kidding me? I thought the National Press Club was like a freedom organization, you know? Um, but they just barely said, you don't have to have, come on back, doctor. You don't have to have proof of vaccine uh, anymore to come back. <laughs> These people are off their rockers. They're so late to the party, it's not even funny. So I used to think the press club was a great place. I've spoken at it and everything else. Now I, w- I wouldn't even go. These people are tyrannical. They're just barely saying you don't have to be forced, vax-proof to even go to the press club. These people are crazy. The National Press Club is the establishment. I mean, there's no two ways about it. We've spoken there. And, uh, yes. you know, the idea that they that they allowed that to happen was shocking to me. I mean, even what That's was it, six years ago. They, I mean, they are not a freedom organization. They're an establishment organization unequivocally. And I can't say that anybody that speaks there is of the same ilk because we've spoken there. But the fact of the matter is that, uh, by and large, uh, if you want to, you go to USA Today or the Wall Street Journal or the Times or the Post or something like that to get the uh, agenda presented to you that you're supposed to follow. And the National Press Club is right there with them. So, so yeah. That. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, only one in ten adults get optimal sleep? I would encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, to get enough sleep. It's really essential uh, to your health, by the way. Now they're rolling out COVID boosters that are not even tested, ladies and gentlemen. They want you to go ahead and take the latest jab. Your government just approved the latest jab. And I wonder, are these um, emergency authorization or are these, you know, legitimately, they're not even tested, doctor. So that's the first question. And then the second question how a major COVID relapse could soon hit world, they're saying. So are they gearing to release another cocoa? And are they going to then mock those who haven't, quote, taken the boosters uh, as it starts to rifle across the planet for, I don't know, round 50 or whatever round we're on now? Is that where they're headed with disease? When we come back, we'll have you respond to that. They're also saying that the deep state might be preparing to blame Trump for the vax disaster. Alex Newman has a piece on that. We'll have you address it all in mere seconds on your radio. FreedomsRisingSun.com. so busy with the board meeting to spend more time together as a family do more out of the house activities this is a tough one my parents they do everything they love me if it wasn't for them i wouldn't have a roof over my head they don't need to show it to me that i just know they love me well not yelling at me very much what do you wish what do you wish raise my allowance to not argue together um, have my dad be home more for dinner and stuff so that it could be even closer. Family, isn't it about time? 
buy me an ice cream and kiss me to love me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, what's the next question? Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I kind of loaded the bear before we uh, went to the commercial break. Coming back, are they going to blame the Vax disaster on Donald, number one? Uh, number two, they're claiming that, A, we're going to have a new resurgence of the cocoa. Number three, they haven't even tested the new, quote, clot shot boosters, but they're rolling them out. Are they uh, truly approved or are they emergency authorization? Uh, and what do you say to all that, Dr. Bradley? They're not done with this cocoa. They've found that they can literally rule us like tyrants uh, over the cocoa because people are, are waking up and pushing back, but not enough yet, and they still think they have life left in that thing. I did a 20-minute presentation the other night in regards to the uh, blaming Donald Trump for this. I, it's good for a lot of reasons because now you can say things on there like it's untested. It is unproven. It is not safe and effective. But they're going to try and criticize Trump for rolling it forward. But but the very fact of the matter is I was deplatformed on YouTube because I was saying those very words two years ago. And the fact of the matter is that now that they're blaming Trump, it sounds like it's mainstreamed a little bit. I saw Tucker Carlson did a 14-minute thing on it here the other day. And suddenly you can you can say the things that have been truth for the whole time. I don't know how many apologies we're going to get from those that promoted it as safe and effective. And in fact, I mean, we watch athletes out on the field tipping over, dying on the field. It's just amazing. But here's something somebody sent me last night, and I responded with something. I don't know if we got time to really review it. But scientists warned, this is the headline, that driving is suddenly causing spike in heart attacks. Oh, <laughs> We are fools. We're not make, connecting the dots to the fact driving? that it's the, the clot shot. Driving. Now, listen Hold on, to this. Is it, what, because it's so stressful and people get road rage? Or what, what's okay, the, no, I don't here, what they this, Sam. I mean, this is, we, we are so rage. stupid that we're saying suddenly all these people are dying of heart attacks on the freeway. Oh, it doesn't have anything to do with the clot shot. And all of the things that all of us have been saying for years now, two years, about this unproven death shot that they're giving us. But but here's what they said in this article. Scientists are now warning drivers that car fumes and braking too hard is causing sudden spike in heart attacks. According to a new study, fumes from vehicle exhaust 
caused by heavy braking increases the risk of a driver getting a heart attack. Researchers looked at the links between air pollution from traffic, such as nitrous oxide and particulates, and the number of heart attacks. We are fools. By the way, there's many nutritional so-called supplements being set out that tout the benefits of nitrous oxide to your health, and we don't need to go into that angle. But the point of the no, matter listen is... Listen to this. Listen to this headline. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it totally focuses on what you're saying. Headline says this. Stop using your brakes when driving because it's causing heart attacks. So don't use your brakes, ladies and gentlemen. Just plow into the next guy and say, hey, at least I didn't have a heart attack. Now, I'm, I'm not serious, folks. I'm just saying this is insanity, doctor. Well, this is the response I made to that text I got last night. There's no end to the stupidity and denseness that vexes the nation at this time. Nothing here to see. No ability to connect the dots. We have damaged the collective minds of the vast majority of the nation through oxygen deprivation and the death jab to the point that almost no one possesses the logic, reason, or intelligence to make connection to the most likely cause of all of these new health maladies. The people will blindly and thoughtlessly accept any official pronouncement without exercising a particle of their God-given intelligence or agency. The powers that be have largely succeeded in creating a society of mindless automatons. Soon the invasion of zombies will embrace almost all the entirety of hum humanity, and we will have a very small population of thinking, reasoning human beings. Maybe it will be quite pleasant not having to deal with fools. That was my <laughs> response to this thing that came out. This is a national publication, people. We are having everything blamed but the right thing. They are deflecting. They're pointing the finger. You know, d look over there. Look, look, look over there. They're like little children trying to deflect us from this. Someone came to our house the other day that had not heard one, in the discussion that came out, that she had not heard one single solitary warning about the dangers of this unproven clot shot, as you call it. I call it the death jab. It's, it's something that, that it's everybody knows somebody that is having some kind of heart event because of it. And yet they, the, the powers that be are not equating it to, a, to, to what it really is. We've never had these kind of responses and these kind of unexplained deaths. I did a, an unscientific review of, of uh, you know, <coughs> death that was sudden and unexpected in our obituaries in our local community uh, bet between March of 2021 and, and August, end of August of 2021. Astounding how many people ages 18 to 55 are dying suddenly and unexpectedly alone. And we've never had these kind of, of uh, demographics that are shaping up. Uh, a guy that's in insurance the other day told me that uh, he has now heard uh, of some instances, and I don't know how widespread it is, but some instances where death claims on ins life insurance are being denied because the individual took an experimental vaccine. I don't know. Uh, the insurance companies are saying, man, we're getting kicked in the behind. These things, these claims, these demographics, these all of these new statistics that were completely off the chart that have just come out of the woodwork, we're going to go broke if we pay all of these death claims. And and so, but they're well, of course but the they powers are. that be. 
Yeah, this is a new demographic, a new this has been a new condition that's been put into and society. It's, and it's, it's all by design, folks. Let's be clear. This is a bioweapon released on the people called COVID. And then the kill shot, as you put it, the vax kill shot, uh, really is the, um, in my opinion, weapon anecdote. Doesn't matter. You get the weapon regardless, right? They're going to give everybody the weapon. If you don't take it, you get it from the vac, or you get it from the virus. If you take it, then you get the, what, virus? Uh, you get two the more we ratchet up this spike protein, the more death it causes. There's evidence ample to this reality check, ladies and gentlemen. But, of course, as a society, we're too stupid to call a halt to the con game. And so we just, you know, jettison headlong into this. It's psychotic. One final story before the end of the hour, doctor. A New Jersey teachers union slams concerned parents as extremists. Now, that's not a surprise. They've been doing that forever. But here's. The response from the people. Public school enrollment cratering across the nation. Uh, Alex Newman with this piece. Basically, hey, he's saying, look, you can call us extremists, but the fact is Americans are jettisoning government schools, and government school enrollment across the nation is cratering. The mainstream press won't tell you about it, but Alex at thenewamerican.com, and we will. Doctor? Well, our family was on the bleeding edge of, of the homeschool movement, and I, uh, you know, it, it was kind of rough sled, sledding against the establishment when we started. It, it's becoming much more easily done uh, by those that want to do it, but I, 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 I'm tempering what I'm saying a little bit. Three, four decades ago, I was, uh, I was very hopeful the homeschool movement was going to be the, the hope of America. I'm not so sure today, because what's happened is is they're meeting, the, the establishment is meeting the homeschool movement with a new wave of, of controlling their uh, learning processes by saying, oh, no, you, you can do this at home. We'll provide an online service, and you know what? It'll be no charge to you because it's just like, it's just like public education. And so they're, they're going to pollute the well by they do that. I implore your listeners, do not under any circumstances, accept an establishment solution to your schooling needs. I found, our family found, the homeschooling uh, situation, actually, it bound the family together closer, more harmony, more love, more opportunity for growth together, all of those kinds of things. And the idea that you're going to turn that over to the people that have been polluting your children's minds for decades now, and think it's a, a good solution, quit being so lazy. Stop thinking that way. I mean, there's four, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, whatever it is, per student that's paid in the public education environment for $500, for $500 a year. You can do a magnificent job with your own children. Get close to them. Stop offloading your God-given responsibility to raise your own children. And, and, and I, if you, you know, take the government money, you're taking the strings attached as well, doctor. Absolutely. You're going to find your children just as polluted, if not more so, because they're more addicted to these images on the screen now. And, oh, where does my, you know, the technology. Well, and they come the, back the as socialists, too, though. They come back really as an enemy to all that you hold dear once they've been digested through uh, the uh, system. In college, it's even worse than uh, you know, the higher the grades, the worse it gets to some degree, but it's already down to the most local 
youngest level of schools where the perversions are taught. You've got to jettison the schools. And I'm glad to hear Americans are jettisoning that. I agree with you. I hope they don't fall for the trap. By the way, did you know hedrophobia is the fear of a straight planet? I find that fascinating. <laughs> what? You mean like a planet's going to bump into us? No, they're just afraid that everybody will be straight on the planet, that men will oh, love women oh. and love men and everything. They're just, they got hedrophobia, man. They're just paranoid. Well, and then I don't know if you know, but KSL is reporting that visectomies are on the rise because men want to take control of their reproductive health now that we can't murder babies, see? <laughs> These people are just crazy, doctor. Well, uh, you know, people are, I mean, this this transgender transitioning, you know, gender affirming thing, it's its mutilation and it's wrong. It's destroying the God-given pattern from the beginning. But the, the, the gender reassignment kind of thing is proving it's, it's binary. You look like a male or you look like a female. That doesn't make you a male or a female. But they don't have intersecting lines on any of these things. They're proving it by their but own. But DNA does. DNA you got does, an XX, but, but or an X, what is it, XY or, you know? Yeah, XY or XX. XY or the XX there. The eunuchs anciently were castrated males. We're creating a generation of eunuchs. You think about this, people. We have become a barbaric society that has absolutely thrown overboard the tradition of all godliness, and we have abandoned ourselves to a barbaric practice that was practiced anciently, you know, whether it was in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's halls or some Byzantine, you know, emperor, whatever. This kind of stuff is being done with the, the parents facilitating it on young children where they're doing mutilation of children, their natural born tendencies. They chemically castrate them. They... Oh, my heavens. It is psychotic, ladies and gentlemen. But a big shout-out to Brittany Aldean, Jason Aldean, the country star's wife. She says, I'm glad they didn't mutilate my body when I had a tomboy phase as a kid. It was just a phase, and I'm grateful to be a girly girl, she says. And now the blogosphere is going psychotic over it. They got hedrophobia going on big time, and they're freaking out. By the way, life expectancy for everybody's going down due to drug addiction, due to COVID and everything else. Due to the, the uh, abuse shot and a whole lot more, it's about slightly more than 79 for women and just above 73 now for men. It'll continue to go down as we violate God's laws, ladies and gentlemen. Mark my words. For Dr. Scott Bradley and Sam Bushman, freedomsrisingsun.com, libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Thanks, Dr. Bradley. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. News the networks refuse to use continues now. This is the broadcast for September the second in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-two. Our goal to promote God, family, and country and to protect life, liberty, and property, and to do so in the traditions of our founding fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a freedom-loving, 
faith-filled, fantastic. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time Friday. And if we got a uh, discussion today that's dear to my heart, something that oftentimes is uncomfortable for people to discuss, they don't know what to do is the problem. Uh, It sometimes, sadly, makes people feel like nobody cares. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, for most of us, that's not true. We do care. We deeply care. Uh, But oftentimes, people are just, they feel trapped. They don't know what to do. They're concerned, but yet they feel like, man, that's just beyond me and my ability to solve. And I think individually that may be, but I think organizationally that's not true. When one becomes two and two becomes the few and the few becomes many, uh, and then we look at what others have done, you know what? We can find success and solutions. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the homeless problem, homelessness across the nation that's increasing, ladies and gentlemen, sadly so. There are answers, though. We don't have to just put our head down and refuse to make eye contact. We don't have to uh, just ignore it and avoid uh, as days of old, you know, the story goes, hey, they crossed and passed by on the other side of the street. We can learn to become the Good Samaritan, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we can do. We've got a guest today that is intimately familiar with the details and, most importantly, the solutions. Her name is Mary Thoreau, and she's chairman and CEO of the Independent Institute. And we talk about the power of independent thinking, folks, to solve the difficult problems we face. Independent.org. She's also the host of a documentary, Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope, ladies and gentlemen, which is very cool. The people living on the streets may be homeless, but they are not hopeless, ladies and gentlemen. We can work together to get this crisis under control. Mary, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Well, thank you so much. You summed it up very well. I'm not sure I have much to add. <laughs> well, before we do that, let's talk about who you are, Mary. Number one, just tell us a little bit about you as a person and then how you got involved in this work. Well, I first got involved in homelessness because I've been very involved with the Salvation Army, um, especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, but I also serve on the national board. And about four years ago, our San Francisco board got together and did some strategic planning and identified homelessness as an area we thought we could really have a positive impact on. Um, It's been going up and up and up despite billions of dollars being spent on it. And we figured there must be a better way. Um, My day job, as you said, is with Independent Institute, which is an academic policy research institute. So as a researcher- Uh, Virtually a think tank, right? Right, yeah. Okay, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> so we don't like to think that only people in tanks think so. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I'm just saying it's it's a real brain trust uh, in terms of solutions, though, on a variety of topics, right? Well, that's right. We work with a, with a number of scholars across the country, and we task them with finding market-based solutions to seemingly intractable challenges such as homelessness. So we undertook a study of the issue to look at what's driving homelessness, Um, And importantly, to look and see if there are alternative solutions that are being practiced that are helping it versus what's just exacerbating it, Um, certainly here in San Francisco, but in most major metropolitan cities in the country because everybody's following the same failed um, policy. 
All right, we're going to get into the failed policies uh, in a second. But so you're saying your day job is with the Independent Institute, but right. then you put together what is this a coalition? Or uh, help me understand a little bit about uh, the organization and, and you're doing this um, secondarily to your day job, right? Right. So the San Francisco Salvation Army, our board decided we have a lot of properties in San Francisco. It's probably the largest nonprofit landowner in the city. So that's a tremendous advantage. We have the land. Um, so we've decided we're going to redevelop five or six of our properties into long-term residential programming with transformational services to take people from the street to achieve their full God-given self-sufficiency. Um, potential. And that will include recovery, very importantly, workforce development, life skills training, and other skills, again, to help people overcome what led them into homelessness in the first place and go on to live productive lives. So, the point, um, so is you've, mm -hmm. the point is you've developed this documentary, ladies and gentlemen. People are not just homeless because they're derelict or they're less than the rest of us or that they've got some uh, major individual problem that makes them subhuman or okay all that needs to be thrown out because it's absolutely entirely bogus now it is true that there's a multifaceted circumstance that they find themselves in oftentimes and we need to address that one multifaceted but two looking at the long haul not just a quick fix uh, is that a good takeaway Mary that's exactly right, Sam. Thank you. So uh, there are many different reasons why people become homeless in the first place. A large part of it is childhood trauma. Um, we have a lot of childhood trauma in this country, children growing up in, in dysfunctional homes in violent neighborhoods. And unaddressed childhood trauma creates mental illness that's unaddressed. And we also have adult trauma, people getting hospitalized as an adult or having other things happen to them, losing their families um, and so on. So a lot of it's trauma, but that can drive mental illness. And then you also have addiction. And even if someone has not, uh, it was not addicted before they became homeless, once they're living in the street, the conditions are so distressing that they'll often turn to drugs or alcohol to sort of deaden the pain of living in the street and within a very short period of time unfortunately they'll be addicted so you have to address all of these things you can't just say oh they're homeless so we need to give them a home um, that doesn't work and unfortunately that's what we've been doing as a national and local policy for more than a decade now and it's been driving the problem to get worse and worse ladies and gentlemen mary thoreau is with me and she's host of the documentary beyond homeless finding hope now in this documentary uh, it's it's riveting folks you got to watch it uh, but a, a young man is depicted who uh, had a great life uh, but then he got on i think opioids because of a, a, an accident or something like that uh, and then eventually uh, he was addicted and that really started the spiral down right yes that's right i spoke with several people in the, in the documentary not all of whom have their entire stories, but often that's the case is someone is really living the American dream. They're employed, they have a home, they have a family, they're doing well, and then something happens. Um, in the case of the man you're talking about, he was hospitalized with a foot uh, surgery. They put him on opioids and he became addicted and then turned to the street to get more of them. And soon he was out of work, out of his home, on the street, 
um, dealing drugs to survive. And ladies and gentlemen, I bring that up because you know what? We can't look at these people as different from us. I get that there's differences when they're on the streets. I get that there seems to be a sad separation where we feel like they're beyond our reach, but it isn't true. And we need to look at those around us as Christ would look at them. That, you know what, they deserve love and help and support and dignity. And I think it starts, if we're going to solve this problem, with an appropriate lens to look through, Mary. That's absolutely right. And talking with the many people I spoke with in the making of this documentary, I really learned that truly there before the grace of God go I. Um, if I had, I grew up in a loving home. If I had grown up in the childhood uh, situations that many of these people have, I would definitely be on the street self-medicating with drugs. <laughs> and if I'd endured a lot of the other things these people have done, I'd probably be doing worse than they're doing. So you're absolutely right, Sam. And um, so we do need to look at these people as individuals, as individuals that God loves dearly, who uh, he has created to be in his image and likeness and to have full and complete lives, and then start providing the resources that people need to overcome the challenges that they've had in their lives and really achieve, again, their full God-given potential. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the details of what doesn't work, what's been tried, what does work. And the beautiful part of the documentary is it highlights not only the problem in a very succinct, appropriate, personal way, but it also focuses on solutions. People who are in this space having success. And that's the difference why uh, when I got an email and then watched this documentary that I said, you know what, I got to have Mary throw on with me because look, this isn't just a, oh man, this is horrible uh, film. Yes, it's, it's distressing and it's, it's difficult to watch in many ways, but it also is called Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope. That whole title articulates the thrust and focus of the film. Ladies and gentlemen, there are answers. This is not too big for us to tackle. I know it seems daunting, uh, and it does when you're by yourself, and it does if you're homeless, or it does if you, by the grace of God, go I and you look at the homeless and go, wow, glad I'm not them. But you know what? When we get together and find out we have friends, we have loved ones, we have people that can work together to solve this problem, before you know it, it's not bigger than us. We are the American people, ladies and gentlemen. Mary Throw will continue in seconds on your radio. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules, a shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. One mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. 2,000 mules. Join the special virtual premiere and Q&A on May 7th. Get your tickets now. Available only at 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. 
Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary Throw with us. We're talking about homelessness. And I want you to know that I want to focus on beyond homelessness. Finding hope. First, let's talk about the root causes of homelessness. Because you know what? A lot of people believe you can just toss someone in an apartment, give them a couple of months rent, give them food for a month, and hey, they're good to go. No, it isn't like that, folks. They lack the tools. They lack the resources. And oftentimes, they lack the skills to succeed with that kind of a quick fix, turn the other way plan. It won't work. There are root causes, and addressing those causes will be the solutions. But first, Mary, let's talk about some of the root causes of homelessness so people understand it's a big problem. It is a huge problem, and it's uh, it's connected quite a bit with the breakdown of the family in the country because um, a lot of it's driven by childhood trauma, um, children growing up in homes that are very unstable and violent, um, our neighborhoods that are violent. Um, there's also adult trauma, as we mentioned, uh, people getting hospitalized as they, <clears throat> and then getting out and not having anybody to care for them or being addicted to the opioids they were prescribed. Um, I talked to men whose wives left them with their children now, there may have been a reason why their wives left them. You just don't know, but it puts people into a downward spiral. So there are just a lot of different reasons. There's also mental illness as a part of it. Um, it's probably about 30% of it. And some of that mental illness, again, is created by um, childhood trauma and other trauma. There's also the increasing um, ferocity of the drugs on our streets these days. Um, fentanyl is 30 times more potent than heroin and getting even more potent than that. We now know that marijuana causes psychosis, especially in young people whose brains aren't yet fully formed. So we're creating psychotics by, by saying, oh, marijuana is fine. It's just like alcohol. It isn't. I'm not saying that it has to be you know, made illegal, but we have to have an education campaign in this country to make people understand that drugs are not safe. You ought not to be using them. 
and especially young people ought not to be using them as, and not even quote-unquote marijuana. So all of these things are contributing to the growing crisis, but our policy response to it is just exacerbating it as well. Um, as you mentioned, we've, we've termed this problem homelessness, and so we're prescribing homes as the solution. And as you so rightly put it, that doesn't solve it. Four walls does not solve anything. You're just putting somebody inside who remains culturally and emotionally homeless, and generally they will either fall back into the streets or they will die because their problems are not being addressed. Now let's be very clear. When we say they'll fall back into homelessness, let's not just blame them. We need to jointly focus on responsibility and say, hey, are we really doing for them what needs to be done? Are we going the extra mile or are we just trying to pretend we're solving a problem only to turn our back on it and then blame somebody else when it goes wrong? I think that's one of the biggest steps to success. Absolutely. I would put it, we put somebody into housing so we don't have to look at them anymore. You know, oh, they're not on the street anymore, so out of sight, out of mind. But that doesn't work. You have to provide resources that can help them actually address what put them into homelessness in the first place and help them transform their lives. And there are places that are doing that extremely well, but there aren't enough, and we need to do more. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, when you think about the homeless, what you got to think about is this. They have got problems. They have got circumstances uh, that, you know what, some of it may be of their making. Some of that is not of their making. And in each case, it's always different. However, we understand that even if some of it is of their making, it is merely a response. The drug use, we would say, oh, they're a drug addict. Well, you want to look at it differently a little bit and say, you know what? They're self-medicating to deal with trauma. They're self-medicating to cope with their, sadly, most of the time, forced on them reality. Okay, we need to look at it that way and then say, hey, um, I don't want to treat them as a victim if they have no solution or responsibility. But many of them are victims of circumstance, victims of situations. And what we need to do is help them not be victims, help them take charge of their own lives, but give them the tools and the support to do so. So I believe the core of the homeless problem, homelessness problem in America, San Francisco included, is the lack of support. We, the people, have not given them the support that they need, societally speaking. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, comes to mind. Mary, do you want to respond to that? You're absolutely right. And I'm sure many of your listeners are very familiar with Tocqueville's Democracy in America and the American tradition of people coming together, individuals coming together in their communities to solve their own problems. And that's exactly what's needed with homelessness is we, and we see it work uh, in many places. People can come together, they can look at what is going on in their community and devise solutions, come alongside organizations and agencies that are, at, that are uh, doing a good job of helping people and help them to do more. And furthermore, come together to make sure that the problem is addressed strategically and not in the one-off way that so many cities are doing it, just throwing literally in San Francisco, we're literally throwing billions of dollars at the problem, but it's completely uncoordinated. It's completely without 
uh, any accountability. We don't say, well, is this achieving the outcomes we want? <laughs> just say, well, this sounds like a good idea. Let's put a lot of money behind that. Um, and and, that and are, they doing that, are they doing that because they don't care? Or are they doing that because they hope to solve the problem? But they don't have the, uh, again, let's talk skills. If we're going to say the homeless don't have skills, we don't have the skills to provide the support for them necessary. I, I don't know that people just mean harm by throwing money at it. Uh, but they also aren't really digging in to find the real solution. Uh, but I don't think it's an, an intentional. I think it's just a hope without a plan kind of a thing, right? I agree. I think everybody who's involved in in solving homelessness is doing so because they want to solve it. The problem is that there's a, a narrative that's become very popular, which is this housing first, uh, permanent supportive housing uh, solution. And it's like a mantra it's like a frankly it's like a religion they are convinced that housing first is the solution and they're just going to keep pushing money at that no matter what the actual results are um, and we human beings are very good at deluding ourselves that way we're convinced that something is true and, and will not face the facts that show us otherwise so i agree i think they're they're well-intentioned they truly think that putting somebody in a in a in an apartment or a house is going to solve their problem um, but it's it doesn't and it's time for us to come together and say you know honestly I know you're we're all trying to help but let's sit down and look at outcomes let's look at what we want to happen and let's think strategically about how to solve it and then check you know measure is it doing are we doing better if we're not doing better let's shift and so on and the model we um, feature in the documentary. And, and before we get to the model really yeah. quick, the reason I bring this up, ladies and gentlemen, is I want you to understand Mary's plan, the documentary, the solutions that we'll be providing in the next half hour or a little longer. Um, it isn't an attack the other guy saying you're bad, you're, you're evil, you're not doing it right. You're, it's a, wait a minute, let's bring all we've learned and let's come to the table and say, hey, can we find a more successful way? We know we're united in the goal Let's now talk about the best way to accomplish those goals. That's what we're saying, right? Absolutely. All right. I wanted to highlight that because I think that's really critical to understand. This is not attack everybody else who's tried. No, no, no. We want to reward your trying. What we want to do, though, is look at it differently and say, hey, let's focus on outcomes and let's focus on comprehensive strategies that can work. We have examples of success. And that's really where the documentary highlights, right? That's right. And uh, again, this is an additive. It's not a. It's not an either or. We're not saying don't do any of. Don't do what you're doing now. It's just don't do that exclusively. People are not cogs. No one size fits all solution is going to work, and we just need to be a little less hubristic about it and understand. Understand that's true. That each individual needs a slightly different approach. All right, what percent of the homeless really want help? Because you know what, you can only kind of help those who want help, really. Um, some might not think they want help now, but eventually they do. Sometimes when you sober up, uh, sometimes when you don't have hope, but we give you hope, you change your view. How many, though, really want help, whether they realize it or not, in other words, versus those who truly do not? Does that make sense? Yes, it does, Good, and it's a good question. Um, almost everyone, really does want help uh, in one relatively small town it's or small city um, they've 
virtually solved the entire homelessness problem. The only ones left who are choosing to stay in the streets are um, some very elderly people who that's their lifestyle. And uh, but everybody. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. A little break. We'll come right back. Mary throws with me, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to watch this documentary, okay? Have your pen and paper ready. Details in seconds. we got to have hope. we got to have solutions for homelessness. It's coming straight up. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Democrat Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot said that she'd be happy to drain Texas of all of its illegal residents and welcome them to Chicago this week. A song of welcome for our brothers and sisters who are now here uh, in our city and traveling uh, from uh, far away, looking for and seeking the same thing that all of us want, peace, safety, shelter, be able to raise their children um, in a way that um, they have the ability uh, to prosper. Argentina's vice president and former president narrowly avoided assassination Thursday night after a Brazilian man's handgun jammed as he aimed it at her point blank. Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner was visibly shaken but not harmed. The suspect was arrested. Visit us, usaradio.com. We are USA Radio News. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free Upside app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the Upside app? Yes, I get real cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? I've made around $200. Wow. That's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free Upside app now. Download the free Upside app to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code FREE for an extra 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, to PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code FREE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code FREE for 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill-up. The James Webb Space Telescope captured mysterious concentric rings around a distant star that left astronomers speechless. The image taken in July was released on Twitter by citizen Judy Schmidt. The star is known as WR140. With a roughly estimated 3 million illegal immigrants now living in California, the Golden State's power grid is not up to the increased demand. Californians are being told not to charge their electric cars just days after regulators voted for a gas car sales ban. Due to excessive heat in the Golden State, officials are asking residents to avoid using large appliances and charging electric vehicles during peak usage hours of 4 p.m. through 9 p.m. The state just announced a plan to ban sales of new gas-powered cars by 2035 in an effort to curb greenhouse gases. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. We are USA Radio News. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Mary Throw with us, doing a phenomenal job talking about a pervasive 
problem in America that a lot of people uh, are uh, taking great intention, uh, but they might be missing the mark in terms of best solutions or best practice when it comes to homelessness, ladies and gentlemen. We can solve these problems. We need to discuss the root causes or focus on the root causes so that we can then focus on comprehensive strategies for solutions. Look, the people living on the streets may be homeless. Some of them are hopeless. But you know what? We ought not be hopeless because there are indeed solutions. You want to learn more beyond homeless.org. Independent.org is where you can find Mary's information. And you want to watch her incredible documentary, which provides real solutions for homelessness. Mary is host of the documentary, Beyond Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope. Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope. And I had asked right before the pause, uh, I had asked Mary this question. And she didn't get a chance to completely answer it, so we're going to go back to that. Uh, Mary, you know, I believe most people want help. Even sometimes they say they don't want help because they're hopeless. They just feel like there's no chance to save me. I'm beyond repair, beyond uh, redemption or reclamation or whatever words you want to use. Um, but oftentimes, once you give them a little love, a little support, a little bit, and they think it's real, and they, they believe that it's real, then they have this hope. They say, you know what? I, I'm so grateful. I do want help. How many people really don't want help was the question versus how many people really do want help. I think there's a misconception out there that I want to jettison, get rid of. Mary? Almost everyone does want help. There is a misperception that it's called, you know, service resistance. Um, And homeless advocates uh, have a very strange notion of civil rights, that it's a civil right to live in the street. It's a civil right to use drugs. And what that's missing is... uh, you know, the concept of choice. So if you're suffering, suffering from a mental illness or you're addicted, you're not making a choice. You are subject to those outside forces. And time and time again, we see that when somebody is able to go through recovery and regain their full senses, they are just amazed. They're saying, you let me live like that? How could you? So it's really, it's so uncompassionate of us, these people who pretend that they're being compassionate to let people live in the street because that's what they are choosing, quote unquote, and it's completely false. Um, The biggest problem is that most places do not offer long-term programming. So there'll be a detox program uh, for, you know, 60 days or 90 days or so on. Um, But after that, there's, there's no pathway. So people are just wary of, well, I've done that before. And I, and I didn't get anywhere. They just end up back in the street because there's no place for them to go. They're not fully equipped to go on uh, to achieve their full potential, to live independently and so on. So they give up. Um, they also are, you know, are, again, not thinking clearly. So you have to motivate, give people motivation to want to go through recovery. You know, nobody, you can't make somebody go through recovery. I don't know if you've ever tried to quit something, a habit, smoking or anything, but uh, it's hard. You know, changes, any change is hard for any of us. So we really have to have a motivation to do it. Um, The best motivation for somebody who's in hardcore addiction or mental illness is to hit rock bottom, unfortunately. I know we don't want people to have to hit rock bottom. But one woman with whom I spoke said, you know, desperation is a wonderful gift because you feel as if, okay, 
okay, I give, it's, it's like giving yourself to Christ. I give up, not my will. Um, I can't keep going on this way. I've got to do something different. And unfortunately, in San Francisco and other places, we, we keep people from hitting that point. We make the street comfortable enough. We give them enough food. We give help them use drugs so-called safely, though often not. We have 700 people dying of overdoses a year. So we really have to get back to understanding that we need to provide motivation and care and long-term care, not this quick, okay, get detox and, and now you're on your own and here's an apartment. Uh, good luck. It just doesn't work. Ladies and gentlemen, there are root causes of homelessness, and the only way we're going to solve homelessness is to literally, truly, long-term address those root causes in meaningful, sustainable ways. That's why we talk strategies, comprehensive strategies, to resolve the homelessness problem. The documentary Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope highlights these strategies that do work, and there are places where we have success to point to and duplicate, Mary? Yes, there are. I, I traveled around the country and I saw lots of really great programs. There are a lot of wonderful people doing, doing uh, you know, God's work all over the country. The challenge is this is such a big problem, especially in places like California where we have an estimated 161,000 individuals experiencing homelessness. So you need something that works at scale. And the place we found that's doing it very well is in San Antonio, Texas, where uh, the community came together. It's a very Tocquevillian, again, uh, example. A local businessman who was very um, Hold on. Your Tocquevillian example relates to Alexis de Tocqueville uh, yes. of yesteryear, right? And the care yes. for one another that he saw in society. Go ahead. I just want yeah, to make sure so, people connect that. Uh, yeah, point. for people who don't know it, Alexis de Tocqueville was French. He came to the United States in 1830 to do a study actually of our penal system. But as he was traveling around the country, he just was amazed at how American communities work, that unlike in France where, you know, the government did everything, uh, here there really wasn't a strong central government. So if people wanted a library, they came together and they built a library. If they wanted a school, they came together and they built a school. Any, anything that was needed in the community, the people came together and created. And it creates a very virtuous circle of involvement and engagement and then meeting the very specific needs to each community. So that's exactly what happened in San Antonio. A local businessman saw a story on the news about homelessness. He grew very concerned. Um, he called the mayor the next day, the mayor whose election he had opposed, by the way, but he knew the mayor was also concerned about homelessness. And he said to the mayor, you know, are you really, do you really want to do something about it? The mayor said, yes. He, he said, well, I want to help. So the mayor said, great, you're the chairman of the committee. <laughs> They set up a task force, and they got every segment of the city involved, the community activists, the nonprofits, and everybody. They, made, they had everybody come to the table, which is the challenge, because in this realm, people are working in their silos. They have their little vested interests, and they don't want to give that up. They're afraid. Yeah, and those silos, though, are really one of the keys to the problem that have got to change. We have got to work with coordination. Go ahead. That's Mary. right, because when you're in a silo, you're not getting feedback. You're not getting, you know, you're not seeing the big picture. You're not seeing if you're getting actually getting results or not. 
and you're duplicating what other people are doing, you may be you may be working at odds with what somebody else is doing. So we really have to get everybody to the table, um, and that takes some political will. That takes uh, saying you know you will work together, or you know the businessman which who is a philanthropist said I'm not I'm not going to give you any more money if you don't get involved in this. And the city, which also provides funding to nonprofits, most cities provide a lot of funding to nonprofits, similarly said, you, you are going to be part of this or you're not getting any more grants. So it was that kind of will that forced everybody to get together. You know, 12 years later, they all swear by it. They say this is fantastic. But that is the challenge um, to get people together. But once they got together, they spent two years developing a strategic plan, which they then implemented. And it's a wonderful campus called Haven for Hope. Uh, it includes an emergency shelter for those who just want a safe place to sleep with a shower and food and so on. But the most important part of it is called the Transformational Campus, where again, you have all 140 nonprofits in the city that deal with homelessness are there. Somebody comes in, they ask them, what's your story? You know, what happened to you? Again, as you said earlier, Sam, not, not what's wrong with you, but you know, what happened to you? What, how did you get here? And then they start bringing all of the resources alongside that individual person that he or she needs or the family needs to overcome the barriers between themselves and their full potentials. And it's an enormously loving environment. It's an enormously caring environment. People can stay there, live there safely for as long as they need to. But it turns out they're able to address problems pretty quickly and people can go on and live wonderful uh, the lives that God created them to. Ladies and gentlemen, Haven for Hope uh, is a success story because it started with intense love for others. They say with radical compassion, we serve people with the respect and the dignity they deserve because we are all human and we remember that people fall but they can get back up again mary thoreau with us ladies and gentlemen we're talking about her incredible solutions oriented documentary beyond homeless finding hope ladies and gentlemen beyondhomeless.org to learn more final segment in seconds this is the one and only liberty roundtable live Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Ladies and gentlemen, Mary Thoreau with me, doing a phenomenal job with her incredible documentary that really, in my opinion, personalizes the discussion in ways that we, the people, uh, can get involved. It's called Beyond Homeless, Finding Hope. And we're talking about we highlight the root causes of homelessness. Then we talk comprehensive strategies to solve homelessness. Haven for Hope started with intense love for others. They realize that, you know what, people fall down. we got to help them get back up. And there's ways to do it, folks. The people on the streets may be homeless, but we need to make sure that they're never hopeless. We can pull together and get this crisis under control. They're doing it in uh, San Antonio, Texas, in a marvelous, refreshing way. Um, are people starting to get it? Are people seeing this success and saying, oh, man, we can do this too, Mary? Absolutely. Hundreds of communities have toured Haven. They're very generous about bringing people through and, and giving them tours and talking to them about how they've done it. Uh, unfortunately, very few places are actually try, trying to emulate them uh, specifically. The mayor of Sacramento has talked about establishing a Haven for years. Um, they're not doing it. Uh, I, I think the biggest problem with that is you can't have it, this just coming out of the public sector. Again, it has to be a community-wide thing where the community comes together. You don't just look to the public sector, the mayor, the governor, the whatever, to solve it because they're always going to do it with political considerations foremost. And this can't be solved in a political manner. Um, we are working on a very hopeful model here in San Francisco. It's called The Way Out. Again, the Salvation Army has a lot of land. And we're working on a plan to redevelop five or six of their properties for long-term residential uh, programming with recovery, workforce development, and so on. And the reason why long-term is important is even if somebody goes through recovery, they're clean and sober, you know, life has bumps. And all of us have coping mechanisms, hopefully, of how to deal with those bumps. But when you've been uh, experiencing homelessness for many years, you've had a lifetime of trauma and so on, you know, your first instinct when something gets bad is going to go back to, you know, the safe place, which is give me my drugs, give me my alcohol. So we have to keep loving hands around individuals for, you know, a, a couple of years while they learn coping mechanisms, they get employed, they uh, get the skills that you and I have uh, to live day to day. And those are considerable skills that many people are entirely lacking. So we're working on that in San Francisco. We're very hopeful. And interestingly here, a whole coalition has grown up called Urban Vision Alliance. 
and they're bringing together nonprofits and for-profits to come alongside the Salvation Army and provide support. So the Independent Institute is part of, part of that, and our contribution was doing the policy report, which really makes the case for support for taking this alternative or additive approach, um, as well as the documentary, to help people understand you know, who are the individuals experiencing homelessness? They are individuals, as you said. Um, let's get to know them. Let's understand why, what led them into homelessness, what is doing, what's going on now that's hurting them, and what we should be doing that would help them. Ladies and gentlemen, they are, societally speaking, your brothers and sisters. Let's be clear. They're people. They're humans. They're not just numbers. Uh, and they're not a block of people that you look at as you go by on the other side of the street, as I highlighted before. This is something that we can all participate in. But Mary has highlighted the keys here. The keys are the long-term support, helping them integrate into a, a situation where they've got support. If life has its bumps, you know what? You and I reach out to our family, to our neighbors, to our – many of these people don't have those things. And we need to give them that support peer group, whatever you want to call it, uh, where they can find success, have people to turn to, uh, have people to count on, have people that they can trust. Okay, we need to think about it long term, and we've got to think about it from a coordinated point of view. What I mean by that is all hands on deck. It will not work if you just leave it to others. Okay, this is not a problem to be solved by thinking somebody else will do it. The city of San Antonio... And the Haven for Hope is an example because it uses this broad group of people, okay? It brings everybody to the table and says, hey, we got to solve this. And if you don't bring everybody to the table, it will eventually, even if you start with maybe some temporary success, you will eventually lose the battle. Uh, I will say it this way. Many hands make heavy lifting light. And you got to think about it that way, folks. And you got to think about it long term. And you got to think about these people as individuals. Think of them as your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your grandma. Because you know what? They are somebodies. And you know what? Sadly, societally speaking, they have lost those connections, maybe. Um, but you know what? We can help them regain those things. And there are many, many success stories that we cannot overlook ladies and gentlemen this documentary really puts things in perspective beyond homeless finding hope and you can watch it for free beyond homeless.org is the website uh, there's the trailer there so you can see that there's the full-length uh, documentary uh, it is a, a well-done documentary because it doesn't just it a lot of movies about this or documentaries highlight and you just kind of you're in shock of the reality of the horrible situation others are in. Um, and then you're left with, I don't know what to do. That's not the way this documentary works. Yes, you are put in a situation where it's a little uncomfortable because you got to deal with it. But at the same time, then, um, there's bridges to solutions, which I don't see elsewhere. And that's what really made me say, hey, i got to have Mary throw on the radio with me and talk about this. Because there are solutions. There's hope. And there's ways that the average Joe can get involved because when this broad coordination of everybody at the table plan, there's a place for you, my fellow Americans. Uh, so, Mary, I've done my best in an hour to kind of cover this. And I realize it's a topic way beyond a, a quick hour or half hour discussion. 
right? But what have I overlooked that you want to bring up that, that people really ought to know? Things that you've learned in the documentary, uh, things that you've learned for success, things that you want America to know, whatever you feel is appropriate. But, but what have I overlooked that we ought to make sure we cover? Well, I just want to underline what you were just saying. I mean, the most important thing about this is our getting involved together and solving this problem together. And it enriches the entire community. Um, Haven has a thousand volunteers on the campus in any given month. The community is very involved in it, and it really returns to the community a sense that, hey, we are powerful. We can solve our own problems um, working together. I was down there filming the documentary at the time of the big freeze in Texas last year, and they put out on the news, you know, we're opening up the campus to anybody who's on the street who needs a warm place to come in to stay for the weekend. And then they also put out on the news, and because of this, we're going to need sleeping bags, we're going to need coats, we're going to need mittens, all kinds of things. And the line of cars coming to the campus to unload new sleeping bags, new coats, new hats and gloves was just incredible. It was the most wonderful uh, visual demonstration of how this is a community-wide effort. It's not something that you can just delegate to the mayor or the governor or the president or anything. We have to regain that tradition in our country, in our communities, of coming together and supporting uh, organizations and individuals who are making a difference and are demonstrating their love of human, their fellow humans and the demonstrated competence that their love is achieving real outcomes. That's the key, ladies and gentlemen. This seems big when you're all alone to the homeless person and to the person who might wanna help. But when you start to put a round table together this is Liberty Roundtable, by the way. <laughs> when you start putting a roundtable together, though, of people who care, and then you start putting people in the mix who understand the problem, who understand the root causes, and then who understand comprehensive strategies and solutions that have been proven to work. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're building the American dream for everyone because you're making it possible for even those who have lost that dream to regain it. Those who maybe have never had those dreams, uh, at least beyond their head, uh, literally have a chance to fulfill them. This is the greatest country on the face of the earth, Mary, and we can solve this problem. Yes, we can. We just have to regain that understanding that we solve things together. All right, Mary, uh, what is your plans going forward that I know you're going to be working on San Francisco? Uh, I know that San Antonio works. Other uh, places are struggling. They go and see it, which is encouraging, but yet they, when they get back to their communities, they have a hard time duplicating it a little bit. How can we help them do that? In other words, we got to, one, duplicate it, but then we got to make sure that they succeed too, right? Absolutely. So we started in San Francisco, not only because it's our home, but because it's often used as the poster child for homelessness. If a national news uh, media outlet is doing a story on homelessness, often they'll come to San Francisco to film because unfortunately, anywhere you look, it, the misery is everywhere. So we figure if we can demonstrate success in San Francisco, it will really get attention and other communities will want to emulate the success we achieve here. So we're doing that. We are being contacted by other communities. I am working with a few other communities on early stages of, of development there. 
Um, so it may not be completely linear. If we start from San Francisco and then go out, we, it, hopefully we can have several demonstration projects around the country and success breeds success. Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't a problem that others can solve. And what I mean by that is you can't just say, oh, Mary's got it. I'm so glad we have someone on the beat that can solve it. We need to take this program and not just listen, not just feel the pain, but we need to pull together to get this crisis under control. We together, we the American people, are where the solutions are. We found them. We now just need to do the hard work to make them happen. And this is not an easy solution. I don't want you to think that, oh, man, Mary's got it. This is easy. No, no, no. The work begins now, Mary. It certainly does. And I, the, the documentary is only 40 minutes long and by purpose. So get together with your friends and watch it and then have a discussion. What ideas did we see in that that we can apply here? Um, you know, what are things we can do? And that's really the point of it. The documentary is to spur that kind of brainstorming and that kind of local action and involvement. Mary, what I want you to do for me, if you will, please, is have your staff uh, take down my name and who I am. You've already got that all in front of you or whatever. And, and I want you to update me uh, every, I don't know, three months, six months, if there's a big change, if there's some success. I want to make this an ongoing uh, update uh, as success happens, as we work on this, uh, what's needed, what's what's working, what, what we can do. I, I want to make this an ongoing discussion, not just a one and done thing. Can you do that for me? Oh, absolutely. That'd be wonderful. Okay, because I think this is, I can't just do a, a radio show and say, hey, I did my part. No, 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 <laughs> it's beyond that, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what I'm trying to convey to us all. And I'm going to try to do my best by leading uh, by example. So we're going to have Mary back and uh, some of her colleagues over time if she thinks that's best. And we're going to keep this issue in focus, if you will. Mary Thoreau, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This was wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, the documentary is riveting. It's only 40 minutes long. Watch it and then get together with your loved ones and say, hey, how can we solve homelessness? Beyondhomeless.org is the website. And if you want to learn more about our core organization, they do a phenomenal job too. Independent.org. For Mary Thoreau and Sam Bushman, ladies and gentlemen, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic of the United States of America.